You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 28. And in this week's episode, as I had posted uh, last week in the podcast Facebook group, we are being rejoined by professional model Ellie Cat, uh, who is a wonderful lady. And uh, she's not only a professional model, but she's also a professional geologist. So I wanted to have her back on the show because she's been super popular. Her episode is one of the most popular ones, hands down. And I wanted to have her back on the show to talk a bit more about some of her recent modeling projects, as well as uh, her work as a professional geologist. So we will be back in just a moment with episode 28. Welcome back. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 28. Today is July 11th, 2019. And on the phone with me today, I have professional model Ellie Cat, who is back for her second appearance on the show. Hello, Ellie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. And I am so so happy to see that you've been working on so many wonderful modeling projects uh, over the last few months since we spoke the first time on the show. And I'm really happy for, that you're being, your modeling career has really taken off and you're getting to be really, really successful. And I wanted to talk to you about some of these new projects um, in this second interview with you, as well as your work as a professional geologist, because if my listeners don't already know from the last episode, Ellie is not only a very beautiful professional model, but she is a very intelligent woman as well, and she works full-time <laughs> as a you. geologist. Oh, you're most okay. welcome. Um, so one of the uh, recent projects that you did, as I talked to you about uh, before we started the show, that I was really, really blown away by was a shoot that you did, and I can't remember if it had a specific theme. It probably did, and I'm an idiot for not remembering, but it was the one <laughs> that you actually shot utilizing someone's swimming pool and I was blown away when I saw that you mentioned you know you thank the person who owned the pool that you guys used for the shoot because with the large rocks in the background and everything I thought it looked like it was a location shoot that was done in some place like Hawaii or something like that so can you share a little bit more about that shoot with us and uh for the listeners yeah you bet for the listeners I'll put a link to the uh to her post with the photo uh in the show notes so you guys can check it out but go ahead and fill us yeah, in on how you. that one came about yeah, you bet. The um, so that specific shoot um, I did with David Bird. Um, he works uh, with uh, his company Reality Reimagined, and he does a lot of like graphic artwork with his pictures. And he's trying to get more into the side of you know doing more, uh, I would say, more high fashion and commercial and you know just portraity work instead of not you know, not using so much theatrics with the shot, even though I would love to do another shoot with him to do that. Regardless, he's like, hey, do you uh, do you want to shoot? And, you know, I'm, I would love to shoot you in a pool, in a bathing suit, uh, you know, it's get that time of year, it's warm outside. And I was like, yeah, actually, I go to a pool. And he's all, oh, that's awesome, cool. So I sent him an address and a picture, and he's like, you are kidding me, right? I was like, no, this is the place. It's amazing. I said, I found it through James Sazer because 
I had a um, someone had canceled on me, and I uh, hit up James, and I was like, "Hey, I someone canceled on me. Do you want to do uh, like a pool shoot, bathing suit shoot, that kind of thing?" And he's like, "Yeah, actually, that'd be great." And he's all, "Do you have a pool?" I'm like, "No, I don't." So he put like this all call on Facebook saying, "Hey, Mom and I need a pool. Does anybody have a pool they could loan us for the weekend?" And Helen got on there, and she's like, "Yeah, I do." And so we, you know. We got snapped the address and a picture of the pool, and we're like, wow, I hope it looks like that picture. And we get there, and it's gigantic. I mean, it has a full diving board, a waterfall. It's like 12 foot at the deep end, and, you know, like three and a half at the shallow end. And it looks like something out of a hotel or a resort or a storybook. It was awesome. So I did a shoot with Sazer, and I was like, this turned out great, really cool, and we'll go back to those pictures in a minute. But David Bird was, you know, he didn't hadn't seen the pictures yet, really, because I didn't take any of the background. Well, he gets there and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" He's all, "This will never work." He's all, "Why did you show me this trash?" And he's, he's joking the entire time. He's all, "This is the most beautiful sight ever," and it was awesome because when I first showed up there, Helen was a former model, and she's all, "I know how hard it is." for models to find locations, to find privacy, to find good places to shoot that are comfortable. And she's all, you guys can come back anytime. And so I uh, texted her. I was like, hey, you, we could use your pool. Do you mind if me and a couple of the models and the photographer show up? She's all, well, actually, we're going to be gone. And I was like, oh, that sucks. She's all, no, it's okay. She's all, just tell my house sitter uh, that you're going to be there for a photo shoot, and I'll give you the app for the pool so that you can be sure to turn on the pool, because it's all done with an app. I was blown away that you could turn on a waterfall with an app. Little did I know. But Holy cow, that's we cool. had an amazing day that day. Uh, there were two names there, and the pictures that came out of it just blew my mind away. I, David is a fantastic photographer. Love working with him. Um, you know, makes you feel really comfortable. Total goofball. We have the same dry sort of humor and personality, so we get along great. And uh, my boyfriend was there to help, like, hold lighting and, and help him with reflectors and all that. So he's super grateful. And I, the, I couldn't believe that, like, somebody had that in their backyard and that they offered it up to us to use. And she didn't charge us, nothing like that. She's just an awesome woman. And, you know, thank God for her and her husband to be so generous to actually allow people to use their, their home. So I was... I'll be eternally grateful, and I honestly, I hope you use your pool again because it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, that thing is just amazing. I mean, like you were saying a moment ago, and, and I mentioned about, you know, I thought maybe you guys shot it on location in Hawaii or something because, I mean, the, all the stuff that's, going, you know, in the background with the rocks and you set it at a waterfall and everything, it's like you, something you would find at yep. a resort in Fiji or something. I mean, that's crazy. Wow. Exactly. And so it was one of these photos that got the cover um, for uh, Expressions Magazine cover from the looks of it. That's the same pool, yeah. right? Yeah, and, same um, pool. That was the first shoot that I've done there. And then I scrolled down on your modeling page on Facebook, and it looks like um, possibly the shot that was used by Bomber Eyewear was also shot at that same pool. Is that correct, or is that a different area? Nope, that's the same pool. I was kind of rolling them in with like, you know, two birds with one stone. Um, yeah, I'm actually um, 
an ambassador for Bomber Eyewear. Uh, they were pretty cool people. I met them at the Jet Ski Poker Run in Parker, Arizona, and they were there selling their sunglasses. And uh, they were asking me and my boyfriend, like, hey, you wearing those sunglasses out in the water? I was like, uh, no. I don't want to lose them. They're like, well, you should get these. And they threw his sunglasses at me. This guy did. I was like, I don't lose them. And they started to float. And I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Because when you're on a stand-up jet ski, like the little old school one, if you fall, whatever's on your face, please rip off. But it turns out, like my boyfriend saw a couple times, lost his glasses. They were floating right there. He grabbed them and went off. I was like, these are phenomenal for playing around and they're like super lightweight and comfy. And so I was super excited and uh, they hit me up because they like my pictures and they really appreciated me posting about them. So, you know, they sent me a couple PR packages, which I've been really grateful for. And so I'm hoping to, you know, maybe they'll want some of my pictures for their website or some kind of bulletin board sort of thing. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Cause it looks like the, uh, the shot that um, that I see on your modeling page, they actually used it on their official Instagram account, which is really yeah, cool. they did. Yeah, that's awesome. And I thought it was the same pool because I thought the rocks looked the same in the background, although the angle is different. And the only other thing, <laughs> yeah. the only other thing that was different is that you were wearing a different swimsuit um, for the magazine cover versus the bomber, the one that bomber eyewear used. But I was like, yeah, I think that's the same, yeah. the same shoot at that same really. That's like a lifestyles of the rich and famous swimming pool. <laughs> I know, right? That's, yeah. It's awesome. That's like something you'd see on lifestyles of the rich and famous. I'm like, uh, waterfalls and rocks in the background and all kinds <laughs> of cool stuff. It's just really neat. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been watching you, you know, your, your Facebook page and your posts and you even post in the, in the photography podcast group, which I really appreciate. Cause I mean, you've been doing some really, really cool stuff. And uh, another Thank one, you. another one that I really love, and you did this one. Uh, let's see, you did this one, I think, with Dave, uh, Dave Kelly Studio, and that's the one with the with like it's like a post apocalyptic scene, and it has like the head of the Statue of Liberty behind you. And uh, that one, yeah, just, that one is yeah, just actually, really cool. I did that with a new photographer. Um, Oh, and I feel bad. I've forgotten his name. I've, I only met him once, and it was that day. And uh, he made some really cool steampunk armor. And so he let us borrow his armor, and he did a couple shots of me. And then, you know, he posed the Statue of Liberty in the background, like, um, from Planet of the Apes and stuff like that. So, well, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. I love that one. And uh, yeah, just like you said, it was very Planet of the Apes uh, style. Mm -hmm. and I even see somebody commented Planet of the Apes of Charleston Heston who's got nothing on this image. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, I think they did. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's really, really awesome. I mean, you've been doing some really phenomenal stuff. Now, I know when we talked the last time, um, you were talking about possibly doing some jobs uh, with some photographers out in California. Have you made it out there yet or? Um, I haven't actually, but things have been kind of turning around in that nature as that I've really been asking myself, you know, where I want to go with modeling and what I want to do. And sure, I have this dream to be in both, but I don't know if that'll ever happen or, you know, like Sports Illustrated, the swimsuit edition. But one thing that 
like I've always been passionate about and how I honestly, it probably helped me get into modeling more than anything else was I was in a lot of plays as a kid and I loved being in the theater. And then as a, a teen, young adult, you know, I still continue to play. And so there's been a couple of doors opening up lately for me to hopefully get into some film. Oh, cool. And so I guess the question that I was asking myself is, you know, if I'm, you know, going in on this and, and what am I doing and where are my goals and, you know, what is my long-term reach? And, you know, the, the answer that keeps coming to my head is that I want to be an actress. I know that that, you know, might sound stereotypical or corny, but it's the truth. It's between modeling and acting and being in that realm of everything. Literally all I can think about. I dream about it. I daydream about it. <laughs> and it's the only thing that's on my mind is I can see myself in that area. And so um, a friend of mine that I went to college with has a or had a Kickstarter program that was up and going. And I was like, this is really cool. You know, he sent me an email for, hey, you know, if you have anything, if you could help out, that'd be cool. And so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll see what I can do to like, you know, help him because, um, I've been following his work and his girlfriend's work for a little while, or I'd say the past five years. Not that I stopped, but you know, they have some cool little videos. And I was like, you know, I, I know what it's like to have a dream and to, have somebody help you with your dreams. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, try to help him as best I can with his. And, um, after doing that, you know, he's, uh, offered me a, a part in his, uh, feature film that he wrote for, uh, his Kickstarter program or Kickstarter future. I'm not exactly sure what that's called. I might be butchering it right now. That's so cool. But, uh, they start filming in August. And I have a small role, um, but it's, you know, it's a, a cameo basically with the, the lead author and um, the, uh, my gosh, I completely like lost track of what I was thinking about. That's so sad. Um, <laughs> well, that's so, that's so crazy. Anyways, um, the movie is called, it's uh, What's on the Inside, and uh, it's going to be a full length feature film. But I'm really excited to be a part of Eddie's dream. I think it'll be awesome. And so I've been practicing my lines and I just actually today sent him over a little demo of me reading my lines one person to camera. So I probably, you know, look like an airhead reacting to somebody who's not talking. <laughs> but I just wanted to give him a feel for, you know, how I'm seeing the character at the moment. And I'm really super excited about that. I'm just so stoked. So. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. I saw your I saw your post about it uh, from his Kickstarter uh, campaign, and I thought that was really cool. Now, is this um, yeah. now this doesn't tie back to you because I saw you posted um, not too long ago a link to I believe you have your own IMDb page. Yeah, I do. That was for previous films I've been in. Really, that was so cool. Yeah, I I actually kind of came across it by accident. Um, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to Google myself and see what happens. And everybody always says it's a bad idea. But occasionally, you know, you're just like, well, let's just find out. And so I started scrolling through some stuff. And I saw something that looked like my name, but, like, the name was misspelled. And I was like, that 
not me. And so I get on there, I was like, holy crap, it is. It's just my name was spelled wrong. And so I got a hold of them um, via their link to like fix errors on pages. And I had to like verify pretty much that it was myself through uh, different websites and my social media account so they could see that it was actually me. And I let them know, you know, and so they kind of collaborated the, you know, three films that I'd been in. But, like, it was already there. I was just kind of blown away. I was like, this is so cool. So I've, I was super excited about it. You know, it's, it's a small goal. Um, you know, not too many people might care about that kind of thing. But I thought it was a, a cool accomplishment. Yeah, I think it was totally cool. I was blown away when I saw you post the link to your IMDb profile. I was like, that is so freaking cool. I didn't, you know, I didn't know you'd had any, I didn't know you'd had any parts in films before. And I thought that was really awesome. And they, hands down, I don't know if you put them on there yourself, but they have some absolutely fantastic shots of you on your profile page. Um, the first one that comes yeah, up they is, do. I think um, that's from like, yeah, it looks like, like the first Google one is you is uh, Lara how... Croft. Yep. Yeah. And uh, then they got the one where you had the makeup on from uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which I totally love. Mm -hmm. I love that shoot that you guys did. That was just totally awesome. Thank you. Yep. I did too. I liked it a lot. It was fun. Yeah. So so basically this project that you're working with this gentleman on now from his Kickstarter campaign is technically going to be your fourth film, huh? Yeah. Well, actually, no. It'll be like my sixth. But oh, really? the other two, they weren't, they weren't really accredited. Well, they're, they're all basically indie films, um, except for Conversations with God was, um, an actual feature film. Um, but all the other ones I've been in have pretty much been indie films and I've had small different roles in them. And, uh, I couldn't find the other two, but I know they're out there somewhere. And so yeah, I've been in front of the camera in more ways than one, um, for, the, I don't know, the majority of my adult life. <laughs> That's so cool, though. Yeah, because like I said, you know, I didn't know that you had any acting credits under your belt until you shared that on uh, on Facebook. And I saw that. I was like, that is so awesome. I actually know somebody Thank that's a you. celebrity. Yeah, I don't know that we touched on that at all last time. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. Yeah, because I didn't know anything about it. Well, I don't even know if you had found your, your IMDb profile when we talked last time, because I remember you just posted this link not too long ago. At least that was the first oh, time yeah, I, I saw it. I didn't know it even existed. Yeah, I think I saw it when you first posted on Facebook, and I clicked on it. I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> awesome. I have yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited for you. I think it's fantastic that you're, you've got all of these things going on. And hey, you know, if you want to, you know, start out, you know, transition from just modeling to modeling and acting, I don't think there's anything silly about that. I think it's a, it's always good to have dreams that you want to shoot for. And for you, I mean, you've already got some movie credits to your name. So why not go for it full time, you know, work your way up. And yeah. next thing you know, you'll be getting... I Fifty million dollars per film. <laughs> yep, you, you'll be getting the big money. Yep. You'll be able to do a couple right. films All a year and basically be retired. Yeah, you'll be basically retired. You'll just do a couple of movies a year and a few magazine covers. Then you'll just uh, uh, kick back at your thirty-five million dollar <laughs> mansion. <laughs> and hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's totally, totally cool. I'm so happy for you.
I'm just glad. I mean, I'm really glad that a lot of this stuff is just coming together for you. I think it's fantastic. You know, it seems to, and I guess it's just a way of how things work, but you know, things come in waves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been, I've been going through just, I would say not horrible pain, but just mental duress because of, uh, you know, kind of where I work and um, a lot of personal issues and stuff like that. I mean, all of last year was just really detrimental to my health. And, but yet I still kept going with all of my modeling stuff. And then now it kind of seems like stuff's tapering off, at least the bad stuff is. And I have just this kind of flow of people that want to work with me and, you know, good people. And so I really narrowed down like the people that I absolutely love working with. And I, not to say that I don't, you know, introduce new people in for that group, but, you know, I do it more cautiously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just so that not only to protect myself, but to, you know, protect my brand, so to speak, so that it doesn't, you know, necessarily get tarnished because, you know, bad photographers and that kind of thing. I've had my fair share of those. Yeah, I can imagine. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, I go do sessions with photographers and you know they they constantly call me back and it's a, you know it's a matter of reputation and how you uh, present yourself and your manner of work and your attitude and you know how prompt you are and if you're on time and if you're you know sober when you show up but boy there's been some crazy model stuff this year already that I'm just like you're a model you're either high as a kite or you're drunk off your butt I mean, neither one of those are cool to show up to a photo shoot too yeah, Especially exactly. a group photo shoot. Nope. Yeah, that would definitely not be a good thing. Oh, man. Uh-uh. And yeah, but I, I mean, I'm just going down your modeling Facebook page, and you've had some very awesome projects that you've done lately. I mean, some really awesome. Thank you. One of my favorites, I think, was, yeah, the- was titled Water right. Siren. That one looks, you look so cool in that shot. Where you're in the Thank water you. I love what they did with my eyes. I know. It looks so cool. Your eyes are just mesmerizing in that shot. I love that. I don't know what they did, but it looks really good. It does. I don't know. I almost want to say that I think they played a lot with the reflection of the water and tried to put that in my eyes. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but um, Night Vulture did a, a really good job. So that part was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, those the whatever they did to your eyes, it makes it makes them look really cool. It really sets off the whole mood for that shoot, for that scene. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And you're going to Belize? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Belize. I leave tomorrow, actually, and it's honestly it's my yearly vacation. But I am hoping to get a couple different photo shoots in while I'm there. Um, I'll be doing a little bit of almost story selfie sort of um, behind the scenes stuff for the uh, groups that I'm the ambassador for. So I'm bringing a couple of those items with me so that I can kind of show them off on the beach. But I am hoping to get in a couple of really cool bathing suit shots while I'm there. But the primary goal is to relax and go scuba diving, see the fish and the coral and all that kind of stuff. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It sounds like that'd definitely be a nice vacation. <laughs> Give you a little bit of time to oh, yeah. <laughs> unwind and recharge your batteries. Yeah, I've got massive burnout at work. <laughs> oh yeah, I can imagine. 
Because, I mean, you know, like I said, uh, you know, earlier, I mean, you work full time as a geologist and you're, I mean, good God, you're doing so many shoots on the weekends with the modeling that's pretty much basically you're working two full time jobs at this point. I mean, you're, you're just busy, you, yeah, you're busy you all the time. Yeah, you definitely say that. I don't have weekends to myself right now. Um, I'm, I'm either working and I work, you know, a 40 hour plus week. Um, I work four 10 days or four 10 hour days, excuse me. And, uh, and then it's a rotating, you know, weekends off schedule, uh, with on call duties. And right now I'm the hydrology project manager for the pit deepening and dewatering program. Oh, so okay. I maintain the pilot holes, uh, where we drill them based on our water in the pit based on structures. Um, I determine where wells are going to be based on proof of pilot holes, depending on how many GPNs they have once they're drilled. And that also includes installing any instrumentation so that we can actually monitor either rock movement, uh, structure movement, water pressure and head in the actual pilot hole and see if it's going to be a viable source for a well to dewater the slope so that we don't have the pore pressure that uh, causes slopes to fail. Um, a lot of people know about Bingham Canyon in Utah, and there was a giant slope failure there. Well, we have radar units that monitor our slope walls so they can tell us within fractions of an inch what's moving and where at all times. So the people in BM Canyon were lucky. They had a good slope monitoring team and they were able to get everybody out of the area before this massive failure happened. And so with pits that have less competent rocks, kind of like the pit does where I work, we have to be very diligent on making sure that we do water the slope. And so finding our water columns and uh, compartments is a crucial step of making sure that we're putting pilot holes and wells in the right area. Wow. See, and for my listeners out there, I told you guys she was not only beautiful, but she was really smart too. <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, you're just, uh, wow, you're incredible. I mean, you, you're doing the scientific stuff and the modeling and the acting. You're just you're going in three different directions at once, my friend. But I, I'm really I happy am. I try to. I I have a, um, on my YouTube, I have a little part that's about me, about information about me. And it's just kind of a couple of short paragraphs about what I do or have done and stuff like that. And, and some people might think that it sounds arrogant or whatnot, but everything that I set my heart to do, I figure out how to do it. And so I've never come up against something that I can't figure out how to do or make happen. And it, I have a huge drive and passion just to follow my dreams and whatever that may be. I mean, if, you know, tomorrow I wanted to learn how to go deep sea fishing. I mean, I would figure out how to do it with some help, but I would do it. You know, I, um, within my little profile, you know, it just talks about the stuff I've done and I'm very proud that I'm extremely tenacious in that respect. And, you know, I'm, I was the first person in my family to go out and decide to get a college degree. Um, you know, no, nothing uh, bad about my parents or anything. They're they're both extremely hardworking blue collar folks. Uh, my dad was a, um, a construction foreman in California. 
uh, is a general contractor. And, you know, my mom has rescued and raised exotic animals as long as I can remember. And so they're extremely hardworking people. And they were very, very, uh, not only grateful, I guess, that, you know, I was able to bring them such pride, but they were so extremely proud of me that I went out and got my degree so that I could do something that would sustain me so that I could have the means to hopefully follow my dreams. And that's basically what I'm doing right now. Absolutely. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And and my story is pretty much the same as yours from that aspect. You know, my parents were very hardworking. Uh, my dad was a plant mm-hmm. man- manager for a silo company. And for many of my Ooh. listeners that don't know, yes, they're, their company actually built the cinder block silos on farms that the farmers would store their grain and stuff in. And he did that for a long time and he drove tractor trailer. And, and, uh, my mom worked, uh, my mom worked at a place called Martha Lloyd, which is a school for mentally handicapped women, um, in my hometown. And it's actually the premier facility of its kind in the world. And, uh, I, I was the first one in my family to go to college and got my first college degree and early, I graduated in 2000 with my computer science degree, and then I've gone back and got a second computer science degree, and now I've gotten two degrees in photography, so I've got four of them now. Good guy. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've always been the kind of person that enjoyed school. I just always loved school. I was an overachiever in high school. Um, when, I, mm-hmm. when I graduated back in those days, I'm old as hell now, uh, pardon my French, but... Uh, <laughs> We had to have 21 credits to graduate. I had 34 and a half when I finished my senior year. I still hold the school record <laughs> for the most credits attained by a graduating senior. And, um, oh, wow. Yep. And uh, I've graduated each time I got a college degree. I graduated summa cum laude. So I've done really well for myself. That's awesome. Yeah. And, well, the thing is, I'm like way over the top as far as a nerd is concerned. I'm not like a nerd or a geek. I'm like an uber mega super nerd. So, and I was telling, I was telling one of my friends this not too long ago. I said, you know, when I was getting my first computer science degree, my best friend in college at the time was a guy named Chris Rowe and he was ultra liberal. I'm ultra conservative. So we just agreed not to talk about politics when we were together and we got along great. And uh, there you he, go. he would get so mad at me because he had to study his tail off for, you know, any kind of major exams or midterms or finals. And I swear to God, I could literally sleep in a class all the entire term and take a final exam and get a hundred on it and not even be conscious. You're one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my friend Chris hated me for it. He's like, I got to study my butt off and you sleep in class all day, every day. You take no notes. You don't study at all. And you get a hundred percent on a final exam. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. You're, okay. So I wasn't quite that bad of like, I had to take every note and I had to be at every class or read old books or whatever. Like, and I kind of almost was considered it a joke at this point, but I, I read very few college books all the way through that I wasn't interested in. Like I would pay attention to the class, the teacher, understand what was going on and be able to apply that to the test. But I always took, I would say really good notes. And then I was overly active in the lab. Right. Oh yeah. But I always had to study, but I was the, 
the cram last minute sort of studier. I was like, oh yeah, I have a test tomorrow. I better study. And then I go in and I, you know, I do fairly well. Um, I, I graduated on the Dean's list. So I was thrilled with that. And I completed my four year degree in three and a half years. I was bound and determined. Like I was taking 20 credits a semester and taking summer school, um, for two summers. The, The other two, I was in field camp and doing all kinds of other stuff. But, yeah, it was, it, it was crazy and I was thrilled for that. But yeah, I was nowhere like you where you can just go, Oh yeah, that's for school. I may get a hundred percent on the test. I hated people like that. I wanted to slap the crap out of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, it, it was funny because when I was getting my first computer science degree, one of the, what I call BS classes, because they weren't part of your major, they were, you know, the, the stupid stuff, yeah. the stupid filler classes you had to take to round out your degree. Um, so one of the yeah. one of the classes I had to take was an introduction to Microsoft Office, and I told my professor the first day of class, I said, "No offense, ma'am, but uh, I've been an I doing IT for a while now. So to me, your class is a retard's guide to Microsoft Office because I guarantee I already know more about Microsoft Office than you do." <laughs> and and she didn't believe me, and I slept all day every day in her class, five days a week. And when it came time for our final exam, I sat in the front of the room. By the time she reached the back of the room passing out the final exams, I already finished mine and put it on her desk and walked out of the room. And then I saw her Oh, later. my gosh. I bet she hated you. Oh, yeah. I saw her later on that day in the hallway. And I said, so uh, how did I do on your Microsoft Office final exam? She goes, you get 100% smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, hey, I told you on the first day, your class, for me, was a retard's guide to office. Yep, nope. So, but I had a lot of fun, and, and well, and the thing was, is when I went to school and got my very first degree, it was actually technically two degrees in one because I was a double major. I was a computer science um, with a major component being programming languages, and then my second major was in accounting. So, because a lot of the you are a nerd, yeah. So, well, a lot of the stuff that I did on the computer science side was programming. And I did the Visual Studio.net. Well, actually, the precursor to that, it was Visual Studio 6 at the time, I believe. Um, so I was doing a lot of the programming for Windows-specific languages, Visual Basic and stuff like that. But then the other half so, of my programming curriculum was programming on IBM AS400 mainframes, which were used for payroll by all the huge corporations like IBM and AT&T and GM and Chrysler and Ford and Coke and Pepsi and all those companies. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yep. So, I so learned. you were into a lot of Python scripting or well, that kind no, of thing? No, back in those days, Python didn't even exist yet. Yeah. Python was still. Oh, well, see, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Python hadn't even been thought of back in those days. I was programming in all the Microsoft Studio uh, languages, which would be. Visual Basic, Visual Java, Visual C, um, straight C++, JavaScript. And then on the okay, yeah. on the IBM side, it was the IBM AS400. So I had to know IBM AS400 systems and operations. And then I also programmed in RPG and COBOL. So you're talking hardcore oh. programming languages. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's when the computers were the size of a house. <laughs> hey, I'm not quite that old. <laughs> uh, no, not quite that old. 
but uh but i enjoyed it i mean i had a lot of fun and to give you an idea of how bad of a nerd i am for my final project in my rpg class we had to we had to follow a specific guideline so our final project had to contain so many records um, so many queries, so many calculations, so many loops, and all these other sub, you know, algorithms. And you had to have all of this had to be in your final program project, you know, in order to finish your final project for your final grade. And so I decided to get creative. And since I am a mega nerd, I decided to do my final project on how long it would take a United Federation of Planets starship to travel from the Earth to Alpha Centauri at various warp speeds. <laughs> so I, oh my yeah, God. I tied my computer programming habits and my Star Trek love into, into one big thing for my final project, and I loved doing that. It was such a blast. But, well, yeah. I hope you had a professor that appreciated that. Yeah, well, he and actually we got in a fight, and that almost came to blows because... And I loved my professor that I had for that class. His name was Mr. Spanier. And um, he had been a programmer. He'd done the uh, payroll uh, programming for the Ford Motor Company for a long time before he became a professor. And um, I turned in my final project, and my project was flawless. My code was perfect. I had, all the re I had more than the requirements. I had way more records than 25, way more calculations than the minimum, and so on. And he gives me back my graded project, gives me a 98. And I'm like, what What the hell is with the 98? Well, it's always been my policy, no matter how good somebody's project is, nobody deserves 100. Oh, I was ready to knock him out right there. <laughs> I was furious. Oh, man, I don't want to kill him. Oh, yeah. I was not a happy camper. I almost decked him over that. And I really liked him as a professor, but. Yeah, that really pissed me off because I worked hard on that project and put in a lot of hours writing all the, all of the different arrays and the and the record queries and the calculations and all of that, and then it gives me a ninety eight percent instead of a hundred when I easily had a perfect score. And uh, yes, yeah, so wow. we almost we almost came to blows over that, <laughs> but I still Holy had a lot crap. of I, I had a lot I of fun had doing a professor it. Professor, that was <laughs> I'll bet you did. It sounds like it. Um, I had a professor in a petrology class. He was actually my advisor as well. Um, and petrology is where you look at uh, minerals in spin sections, and you see them polarized and unpolarized, and you, you look at them a lot under a microscope and figure out, you know, what's going on, their habit, their structure, what their assemblage is, all of that kind of thing. Uh, so he gave us a free range for our last topic and test um, to write about Whatever we wanted to. Uh, it had to be, you know, a minimum of, you know, so many pages, so many words. And so I had decided, I picked two topics. Um, I picked felsic minerals and I picked, uh, garnets and their habits and, uh, colorations and that kind of thing. And so I turned in my paper along with my actual pathology exam for viewing the minerals under a microscope and identifying them without, you know, with no help, basically. And uh, he gave me my test back uh, with everybody else. And it was the first final in college where I got 110% on the final exam. And I was like, are you serious? Oh, like, that's cool. And I asked him, he's all, no, you, 
you did a fantastic job. You, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, how is this possible? He's like, you got everything exactly correct. He's all, none of your classmates even came close. Wow. I was like, yes. And oh boy, did I rub that in a couple people's faces. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would have too. Yeah, see, you were, no, was, you were an overachiever like me. <laughs> well, I, I tried in some classes, especially my core classes, oh, because yeah. my degree is uh, economic geology, you know, an emphasis on economics. And so, yeah, in my core classes, I was definitely an overachiever. Like, I'm one of those people that would go back to field camp and, you know, for any geologist that would ever be listening to this, if you love your field camp, you know what I'm talking about. It's your first chance to actually go out in the field, apply all your skills you've learned about geology, and put them on a map, put them in notes, write papers about it, and then turn them in. And you're out in the field all day. It's blistering hot because they throw you in, you know, some godforsaken place in the middle of summer. And it's usually 100 plus degrees outside. And you're like, oh, I've got two gallons of water today. I haven't peed yet. I'm starving. And I still have to finish this whole paper. And you just, you figure it out. But only with as many sunburns as I have, as many bug bites, I would go back and do it again any day. Because it was something you were passionate I, about. That's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm like the biggest rock hound nerd. If it's out there or if we're in an area and stuff, like, oh, yeah, I found this in that area, I'll find it. And I've <laughs> got the biggest collection of rocks. It's, it's kind of pathetic. I've got um, drill bit boxes which hold our, um, our tricone um, carbide tip drill bits that we use to uh, drill our blast holes so that we can you know, blow up the ground and then move the muck out. But the boxes are wooden. Uh, the drill bits are usually around 200 pounds a piece, and so they can try a lot of rocks. So wow. the boxes can. And I've got like seven boxes that are completely full of rocks. And my boyfriend's helped me move them twice now. And he's oh, like, man. so next time we move, are you going to like get rid of some of these? Because you're lugging around a lot of rocks. I'm like, no, I can't. And I keep bringing more home. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you tell them, no, I get a few more movie roles and we'll have enough money. I can hire people to come in and move them for us. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> get, a, get a moving company to send out some guys and give them a hernia moving your rock collections. <laughs> that's right. They better know how to lift from the knees. <laughs> that's right. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. But, yeah, I was like when you, your, your uh, final that you got 110% on, on that. I was like that, especially with some of my programming languages. And one of my favorites was Visual Basic. And for that class, we had a textbook that had programming exercises in the back of each chapter. It was 32 chapters long. And in order to finish the class, we only had to do the first 16 chapters in the book. And from each chapter, each chapter had, I think it was 20 or 30 programs that you could do. And you only had to do six from each chapter. To finish, you know, the course and, and, you know, in Visual Basic to finish that course. And you did I, all of them, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was so gung ho. I did all 32 chapters in the book, every programming project oh. at the back of every chapter. Okay. And it was so funny because I remember the professor, and I can't for the life of me remember his name now, but he was such a nice guy. And he came around to talk to each of the students the day before our final exam. And he comes to my desk and he says, Bill, um, because 
back then I went by the nickname Bill instead of William, and now I use Liam because of my photography business. But uh, he says, Bill, um, you've actually done so much work in this class, you could take an absolute zero on your final, and you would still finish this class with a 4.0. And I said, really? Oh, my God. I said, that's cool. And then I came in the next day, took my final anyways, got 100% on that, so. Yeah, I ended, up, I ended up finishing his class with like, instead of 100% for my grade at a 4.0, I was, I was at like 150% because I did so much extra credit in that class. But I was having so much fun, I couldn't stop. You know, I would start writing visual basic code. I'd start doing these programs and I couldn't stop at six. I just kept going. So, you know, it was funny wow. because we would get the, you know. That's a whole other level of. Yeah, that's how, loving what you do. That's how bad I am. Well, it's my I always said it was my Uncle Rick's fault because he gave me my first computer, which was a Commodore Vic twenty when I was ten. And I stayed up at my I don't know what that is. Uh yeah, really old school computer. Way before your time. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, well, Commodore was a competing computer company. It was a more proprietary system. It wasn't as uh, mainstream as the IBM-based PCs that, like, the Tandy computers and stuff like that that they sold mm -hmm. at Radio Shack. Um, although, before they went out of business in the U.S., Commodore did make a few hybrid computers that ran their proprietary stuff, but then could also run the IBM PC-compatible stuff like DOS and stuff like that, but... It didn't save mm -hmm. them. It didn't save them in the United States. They ended up going out of business in the U.S., but they're still really big in Europe. They're still making computers oh, over wow. there. Yeah. But uh, my uncle Rick gave me my first computer, which was a Commodore VIC twenty. And I'm talking. You're talking in the days where we didn't even have floppy drives. I wrote my programs, okay. and I had to save them to a cassette tape. <laughs> so yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, that's the storage medium we had when I started writing code at 10 years old was cassette tapes. <laughs> um, which really sucked because when you wanted to reload your program into memory from the tape drive, it freaking took forever. Uh, yeah, I'll bet. Holy cow. But my Uncle Rick gave me that VIC-20 because he had upgraded to the new Commodore 64 that had just come out. And I was I when I was younger, I always spent every summer when I was off out of school for the summer. I always spent those summers at my maternal grandparents' house. The entire summer, I was mm -hmm. at Grandpa and Grandma Cathcart's all summer. And my uncle Rick and I would do stuff <laughs> together. He was like six or seven years older than me, um, but he gave me that big twenty, and I had forgotten at the time. I wore reading glasses. Well, not reading glasses. I actually had pretty bad eyesight when I was young. And then I quit wearing my glasses. My eyes healed on their own, and I only have them now for reading and only in my right eye. My right eye is like 20, 21 or something like that. I barely even need a prescription. But anyways, I didn't have my glasses. I'd forgotten to take them to my grandparents that summer, and I stayed up like 18 hours writing code on this big 20 before I finally went to sleep. And I'm talking in the old school. I'm talking basic, basic. Not Visual Basic, not any other kind of Basic, the original Basic programming language, and I I wrote code for eighteen hours, staring at you know because the Vic twenty, the Commodore computers, you could just hook up to a television and use that for your monitor in those days, and um, oh wow! So I was staring at my grandparents' TV screen for eighteen hours writing code, and I finally 
crashed after 18 hours and went to sleep. And when I woke up, well, quote unquote, woke up, I was conscious, but I couldn't see because my eyes swelled shut from the eye strain. <laughs> because I wrote all that code oh, with no, no glasses on and, my, and I strained my eyes so badly that my eyes actually swelled shut. Which I didn't Holy even know was crap. possible. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. I didn't even know it was possible <laughs> to do that. <laughs> That's what happened. I didn't know either. Yeah. I was gonna think that you would see spot for days. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did that too. But yeah, for the first few hours <laughs> after I woke back up, uh, I couldn't really open my eyes at all. They were just so puffy and so swollen that I had to put a compress on my eyes for a while to get the swelling to go down before I could open them enough to see. Yeah, so that's how well, bad I Hopefully you haven't done that again. No, no, I still write code for hours on end at times. But like I said, I don't really need my glasses anymore. <laughs> so, um, But the other thing I wanted to talk to you about in, this, uh, in your second appearance is the other thing I was really excited about. I see that you've got your YouTube channel going now. You've got uh, five, or six, five videos on here now, and you've got 22 subscribers. So you're getting there. And you've got some really, you've got <laughs> some really slowly, cool yes. videos on here. I love your videos. The Dan the Fool guy has got to be my favorite. That one is so, so great. I love that one. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, honestly, it was a last minute sort of thing. But I was like, uh, my boyfriend was standing in the background, not meaning to be in the shot. And the videographer, Night Vulture, he was like, no, no, stay there. This is what's cool. He kind of looks like the creeper, maybe. And I was like, well, let's put him in it. I said, he can, like, be grabbing my butt or something like that. So he did that. And then the videographer was like, wait a minute. I have a great idea. Go stand over there with the pool skimmer and, you know, skim the pool. And so I was so proud of my boyfriend. It was the coolest thing ever for, to watch him like go and do that. And he had the most perfect expression. I watch it and I'm dying laughing when I do. Just yeah. because he was cracking up. And it took quite a few actual takes for him to do those faces without just bursting out laughing. Because he, he gets shy in front of the camera. So it was really adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, though. And I see that one's got 253 views. So that's by far your most popular video so far. Yeah, well, that's for sure. I'm, you know, about half naked in it, so everybody's like, "Oh yeah, look, look on that one." <laughs> now, the uh, actually, <laughs> the thing I was going to say was not only the the sexy outfit you're wearing, but just the title and, and the way the clip is shot is it's like reminiscent of like a '70s porno or something. <laughs> and, yeah, I exactly. and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not taking offense to it. I'm, I loved the way that he edited it so that it kind of just looked like it was something that came like almost straight out of the seventies. Yeah. And, and we, I, I definitely agree with that. But And as soon as you shared it and I saw the title for it and before I clicked on it to watch it, I'm like, it she got her boyfriend into a video. Somehow she got him into it. <laughs> Cause I knew that's nope, I, I knew that's who Dan the pool guy had to have been. Oh man. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what's the, um, I don't think I've watched this one yet. What's the uh, Ellie Cat in EDC 2016 trailer? What's that all about? Um, well, I was at EDC in 2015, and the guys came around that were, you know, doing professional video stuff, and they took quite a bunch of footage of me, but, you know, I'm only in it for literally like a 
second. But I was in the official trailer for 2016. I was like, oh my gosh, it's me. Like, if you didn't know it was me, you would have no idea. So it's just a little snippet of me, and I'm just kind of sitting there dancing, and I blew a kiss to the camera. But I was just super excited that I actually made their official video, and I just put it up there because I liked it, and that's really the only reason. That's so cool, though. Now, i got to ask you a question because if memory serves me correctly, one of your videos is missing because I thought the very first one that you posted was you doing, like, your makeup or something before a shoot, and I don't see that one here now. Or am, huh. I, or am I missing I, it? I don't know. I haven't checked my family in a little bit. I see, um, I see Dan I, the Pool Guy, the EDC 2016 trailer. Then I see How I Became a Snake, Victoria's Secret Sale and Best. Sexy Lara Croft cosplay and the model junkyard photo. Oh, maybe it's the model junkyard photo shoot. Get ready. Yeah. Maybe it's that's the, the model one. junkyard. Okay. That's what threw me off because I was like, I knew there was a video where she was talking about how she gets ready for a shoot and her doing her makeup and how she let, taught herself all yeah. that stuff. And I didn't see it, but I forgot it was that one. That's my bad. No, that's cool. No, I've actually made um, or recorded a bunch of footage for those. But my laptop, unfortunately, it can't handle the editing software to do that. So I ordered myself a gigantic desktop that I, like, build over the Internet. But two of the parts were on back order, so it's still not here. And it's supposed to arrive while I'm on vacation. So my best friend is coming over to my house to check on my kitty cat while I'm gone and make sure that my computer gets put in the house because I spent way too much money on it. But it should handle anything. And I will be able to game on it. Um, because I'm a fairly big gamer, okay. uh, this was, you know, a couple different, I would say games, not necessarily computer-based games, but I'm hoping that I can find something. So you are, so you but, are just you know, a nerd I at play heart. on my Xbox. And... <laughs> so you are a nerd at heart. You oh, like, oh yeah, fully. You like I mean, the gaming? Anybody that's doing something like throw their hair in a ponytail and get filthy dirty looking for rocks outside, you're just a nerd. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, if I, I can go and get, like, beat up by tigers or go horseback riding or, you know, get out on my quad and ride all day till I have blisters in my hand and, we're, you know, come in a game for hours when I realize, oh, my God, 2 a.m., I need to go to bed. And so, yeah, I'm full-blown nerd. Oh, and I do a 3D printer, and I have so much fun with that thing. I had no idea I was going to love it so much, but you can make so many awesome things with it. I had... No clue. It was like a whole new world for me to figure out that, you know, this plastic string stuff can make all these other really cool things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's so funny that you're into gaming and stuff like that, too. I would have never thought that. But hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I used to do I used to do a lot of PC gaming years ago, um, but I wouldn't run Windows. I always hated Windows with a passion, so I would run Linux, and I would run what's called... Uh, uh, Windows emulator, um, known as Wine, yeah. Wine for short. And um, yeah. years, a number of years back, when I was living in back when I lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I was getting my second computer science degree, I uh, used to play a game. I and mean, I was never into Star Wars. I've always been a Star Trek person. I hate Star Wars. But they Woo! made they made one Star Wars. They made one Star Wars game that I liked, and that was Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast. And I was on workman's comp for quite a while because I sustained a bad arm injury, which progressed into a degenerative disease that I have in that arm now. Um, 
Oh, no. And before I went back to college, I was stuck at home all the time, climbing the walls. And I was like, I got to find something to do. So I started going to college again. And then in my spare time, I would play Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast. And I actually worked my way up to being tied for number one in the world in that game with another guy. I can't even remember the guy's name now because it's been so long ago. But he and I were the two best players in the entire world. And we would play we would play on servers. Um, they were called Dark World servers. And on these servers, they had Punk Buster, so there was no cheating. There was oh. no force powers. No guns, no bombs, no grenades. All you had was your lightsaber. So it was basically sword fighting. Um, wow. And in two and a half years of playing that game, I killed four million real world real world opponents in that game. Holy crap. Yeah, back when I at the height of my gaming, I I played the crap out of that game. That one in Star Trek Bridge Commander, I played a lot of. And uh but yeah, it was I mean it it got to the point where I had to create fake accounts because when I would log on to a server, as soon as everybody saw my avatar's screen name, nobody would play against They'd me. They'd get off. Oh, yeah. I would log oh, into no. a, I would log into a, well, they had different server worlds. So some of them were where you could just do uh, lightsaber duels where you would challenge a player. They would accept. And then while the two of you were fighting, your bodies glowed. And any other people on that on that world, they could run up behind you and hit you as many times as they wanted with their lightsaber, and it wouldn't do any damage to you. Only you and your opponent could damage oh, yeah. each other because you were dueling. And um, okay. and then they had free for all servers, and I would log into a before everybody got wise to how good I was at the game. I would log into a free for all server, and I would kill two, three hundred players at a time in a free for all fight. And I'd still have three quarters of my health left when when everybody else was dead. Oh my gosh! So yeah, I got. So uh, this is like the very beginning of WoW. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Way before all of that. Yeah. It was wow. Kind of funny. Good point. Yeah, because um, was it World of Warcraft that first came out back around that time? It was either World of Warcraft mm -hmm. or there was another one that I was thinking started with an E, but I could be wrong. It might have been World of Warcraft. I never got into World of Warcraft anyways, but I had, Neither uh, did I. I had so much fun and um, playing, the, like I said, the Jedi Outcast. I, I would go occasionally on servers where we play, played Capture the Flag. So you would have teams, yeah. you know, you'd have six guys on a team and six guys on an opposing team. And you would cross this massive map trying to find each other's base camps and steal their flag and get back to your camp with their captured flag while they're all chasing you, trying to kill you and get their flag back. So I used to play quite a bit of that. Sounds too, like somebody but... needs to go play a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I checked uh, not too long ago when I saw that they did finally port that game to Mac OS. Cause I run all Macs now and you can buy the game. Uh -huh. for, you can buy the game for like five bucks or something like that in the Mac app store. And I'm like, I wonder if I should download that and start killing people again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But at the time, I was working two full-time jobs, so I'm like, I don't have time for gaming. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, true. But, I mean, you know it's bad when you log into a free-for-all server and everybody logs off or just runs from you when they see your screen name. I but, think that's hilarious. And, and the thing was, the guy that I was tied for first place in the entire world in this game with, he and I would go on to a dark side duel server 
and we would challenge each other to a duel and we would literally duel for two or three hours and neither one of us could finish the other guy off because we were both so good wow. at the game. Yeah, we both so good at the game, we couldn't kill each other. So we'd fight until we were exhausted and we'd, we'd call a draw and just give up and then we'd go back to killing everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I had a lot of fun doing that. So I, I just thought it was funny that you're into gaming. You don't meet a whole lot of ladies that are into gaming, not very many. And it's just so funny because you do the modeling and you're a geologist and you're into the gaming. And I saw in one of your one of Dan's recent posts, you guys found some cool arrowheads not too long ago, too. I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love looking for that kind of stuff. And so I, I take every opportunity I can get to, which aren't many lately, but, you know, anytime I get off work early or can go out and look around for stuff, I definitely try to because there's, you know, there's kind of a wealth of it in Arizona. And, you know, I just like to find different things. It's really cool to me. You know, I, I want to preserve it. Like, I don't want it to get trampled by cows because most of it you just find in the cattle field oh yeah yeah when i saw that post i was like she's lucky because she probably finds tons of that stuff in arizona <laughs> i can just imagine well surprisingly not too much you gotta search because the cactus sucks the bug sucks so oh that's you just, true you kind of gotta stay out of the way and i'm definitely allergic to wasps and oh, so anytime there's wasps out there, I'm like, oh, and I kind of have to creep around and, you know, not bother them. And hopefully they leave me alone. <laughs> Make sure you have your EpiPen. I do. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, see, where I'm, like I said, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, so we don't get a whole lot of arrowheads when we explore up there. We do on occasion because there were, um, I can't remember what tribes were living in that area because my dad grew up in a town that was that's called Wyalusing, Pennsylvania. And I can't remember oh. I can't remember which tribe, but Wyalusing Wyalusing, the town name actually stood for a gathering of friends or something like that. I can't remember if it was cool. I can't remember which tribe it was though, if it was uh I wanna say it was Blackfeet, but I could be wrong, or maybe it was Mohawk at one time. I could be wrong. But anyways we would occasionally find arrowheads, but it was kind of rare. But the cool thing when I lived in Harrisburg would be, you know, a short drive down the road. I'd be at the Gettysburg Battlefield, and we were always finding what they would call witness trees. So if you're not familiar with it, a uh, witness tree is, that's what they call it. But it's basically one of the trees on the Gettysburg Battlefield that actually caught bullets that missed their targets. Ah! And so... Those things are found all the time in Gettysburg. I mean, there's so many um, stray bullets from the Civil War that are embedded in trees and all kinds of different that's things. So cool. Yeah, and uh, they coined the phrase witness tree, so that's what they call these trees that, that ended up catching Civil War bullets that were intended for, you know, somebody on the north or the south side and the shot missed and hit a tree instead. And then anytime somebody finds one. Oh, man, one, I'd love to see that. Yeah, anytime somebody finds one, they mark the tree in it becomes the, the newest member of the witness tree family. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm such a history nerd. I lived in, I lived in Harrisburg for 10 years and I would literally go to the Gettysburg battlefield like every freaking weekend and just walk. Did you ever find anything cool? Oh, I found all kinds of stuff. I found, um, civil war belt buckles, found bayonets, um, rifle components, 
sometimes pistols. We would dig up pistols on occasion. And we'd always just give all the stuff we found to the museum that was there on the grounds. And, you know, we never. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I was like, I've always been a history nut. And I'm like, well, I don't feel right. You know, anything that I find, I'm not going to take it home and put it in my personal collection. I'm going to turn it over to the Gettysburg Museum. And so that's what I always did. But yeah, we find cool stuff. We find uh, Union and, and Confederate, you know, pins and medals and stuff like that from time to time. And um, wow. one of my friends actually found and uh, buried in the dirt one of our weekends that we were down there. He actually found an old uh, surgeon's amputation saw. We're used to amputate limbs when they, you know, when they get badly uh-huh. injured in the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in those days, they didn't have anesthesia. It was like, all right, boy, take a drink of this whiskey and bite down on this stick while I cut your leg off. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, you know, four other, like, big dudes are, like, holding them down. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Yep. But I just loved going to Gettysburg, and I would literally go every weekend Sometimes all year round, I'd spend every weekend at the battlefield, either maybe not both days of the weekend, but I'd either go every Saturday or I'd go every Sunday or I'd rotate it. And one month I'd do Saturdays, next month I'd do Sundays, but I always went at least one day a week um, for the entire 10 years I lived in Harrisburg. And we've only found a fraction of all the stuff from the Civil War on those grounds. There's still so much more stuff that's there. I mean, you had like 12,000 soldiers in the Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, mm-hmm. I can just imagine how much more stuff is there that has not been found yet. I, there, I read articles oh, all the time sure. that they find stuff, that they're always finding stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like once in a while, they'll cut down a tree that gets damaged by lightning or something. And, you know, they'll cut the tree down and, flip, you know, you get the, the bottom of the trunk exposed, you know, where it's been cut from its stump and <laughs> there's a bullet <laughs> embedded in the tree. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they found some that way, you know, and like I said, each time they find one, they mark that tree and uh, they have a log book and they'll mark that tree down as a new witness tree and they put down its coordinates and how many rounds they found embedded in the tree. And they usually don't dig them out. They just leave them in there and they mark them, you know, because it makes oh, uh, cool. makes the, the tours a little more interesting when you can point those things out. So. Oh, for sure. But I am so excited that things are really going really full steam ahead for you. I mean, that's great. I think it's fantastic. Thank and you. I, and I hope I'm, you do get to do I more do. acting. I think that's great too. Yeah, me too. I have a, you know, a lot of different, I'd say emails basically out there and, you know, some contact with people that said, Hey, you know, we're going to be with you. We'd like to work with you. We'd like to do this. And I'm just like, yeah, please get back to me because I, you know, it's a dream of mine and I, I want to see it through. I would love to be able, as much as I love geology, I would love to be able to quit my day job because there is still a mentality that some people don't believe that women should be in mining and especially strong personalities like myself. Um, you know, there's just a lot of men that say that women need to be away from mining and it's a men's world. And so it's very difficult, especially I am the only woman in my office. And there's 23 men, and that's just in my building. And then in the other building, I think there's about 50 men, and there's two women. So it's it's very slim for the professionals like myself that are either engineers or geologists. 
And, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a struggle. And so yeah. that part is unfortunate that, you know, we're in the century we're in and there is still this kind of a backwards mind. And sometimes it's a cultural difference. Uh, we do work with teachers from around the world that come to work here, but a lot of them are still stuck in their old ways. And oh, yeah. uh, especially towards women, it's like, no, women need to be in the kitchen. Women need to cover their hair. Women need to not wear jeans or, you know, there's a lot of stigmas that they put on us. And so our opinions a lot of the time are not listened to mm-hmm. and they're not held to, you know, the same high priority or standard as the men's are. And it's, it's very ardent. If you go into different meetings, you can see that mentality. So for me to be able to get away from that someday and be able to be a full-time actress and model, that's my dream. And I am, I'm working so hard to get there. Wow. That's so cool though. And I I mean, it's sad that, that you get treated that way just because you're a woman. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I guess that mindset never made a whole heck of a lot of sense to me because you know, if you're qualified to do the job and you have the education, what difference does it make what your gender is? But this, and the sad thing is, oh. and, I, and I've told people this for a long time, even b- back before it ever happened from the time I was fairly young, I kept telling everybody, I'm like, you mark my words, the United States will have its first black president before we have our first woman president. And it's just the nature, oh, yep. of the, it's just the nature of the beast. And the problem mm-hmm. is, you know, just like in your industry and other industries, you know, how is a female president in the United States going to interact with some of our our quote-unquote allies, like Saudi Arabia, where women are considered mm-hmm. fourth-class citizens or whatever, or they're basically considered property? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how are you going to carry on a meeting with the, the king of Saudi Arabia as a female president of the United States when, to him, you're property? <laughs> You know, exactly. Uh, that's not going to work. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah, the world is very sexist to this day, which to me is just completely idiotic. We should have moved past yep. that a long time ago, but unfortunately, too many people haven't. Well, you know, and uh, again, I'm from the northern state, one of the northern states, so I never understood the whole, uh, you know, prejudice against black people. I never understood that. And it's just sad. That, yeah, I, I don't get that, you know? Yeah. I don't understand why people are looked down upon because they're female or because they have a different color skin than I have. I, I, I could never comprehend that stuff when I was growing up. And I think, to be honest, that was one of the reasons why I was so into Star Trek when I was a kid was because that's how I looked at the world. And that's how Gene Roddenberry's characters looked at the world. You know, on Star Trek, everybody was equal. Didn't matter if you were black, white, Asian. Didn't matter if you were Russian, Scottish, Irish. Didn't matter. Everybody was equal. Um, Yeah, exactly. The only difference between everybody was what your rank was on the ship. But everybody was equal. (laughs) And, and of course, the other thing that I tell people all the time that I hate is this. And I understand there are prejudices against black people and and Mexican people and uh, other people of different ethnic groups. But what really burns my toast is this racism because, and I tell people this all the time, there's no such thing as racism. We're all the same race. We're all homo sapiens. We have different ethnic groups, but there's no such thing as different races on the planet. Unless you can prove to me that we have aliens that are physically living on this planet from outer space, there's only one race on this planet, and that's homo sapien. (laughs) Yep. 
Right. But uh, and then, like I said, it's just sad that some people are so closed-minded when it comes to stuff like that. And just like with the stuff you do, with being uh, a model, and you do conventional stuff, you do your cosplay, you do your steampunk shoots, but you also do artistic nudes. And it's like, mm-hmm. why do people have such hang-ups over artistic nudes? I mean, Facebook still doesn't allow artistic nudes of women unless their yep. nipples are covered. Because I, I did an uh, episode on my other podcast show, my political podcast. Uh, or no, it was on my photography podcast. Because uh, a few weeks ago, a bunch of models and photographers were protesting outside Facebook's New York City headquarters. And they were all naked protesting in front of their building and they were all covering themselves with giant pictures of nipples. Print, while they were, they were covering themselves with giant printouts of male nipples because female nipples yeah. are not allowed on Facebook and Facebook yep. met with the group and, or I guess they agreed that they were going to meet with this group. Um, I can't even remember what the organization was called. It was like NCAC or something like that. And uh, they agreed to meet with their representatives, but said that they weren't going to guarantee that they were going to change their policy on that. And my friend Brian Sadowski, you and I talked about that on the last time you were on my show. He's an artistic nude photographer in the Chicago area. And he gets so mad that he has to censor certain things in his photos because if not, Facebook will delete his photos and ban him if, yep. he, if he doesn't censor it. And I, I don't know. I mean... I've always been a fairly religious person. I'm not an ultra-religious conservative, like some people are. But I mm-hmm. just, you know, I never understood. It's art. It's art, for God's sakes. People have been doing nude sculptures and nude paintings for hundreds and thousands of years. What the heck is the difference yep. if it's a tasteful, artistic nude photograph? There's no difference. But for no, some, But for some reason, Facebook will allow female nipples to be on their on their platform if it's a sculpture or a painting but if it's a photograph you'll get banned and yep. i just it's think really pathetic. yeah i think it's just really stupid I, I just yeah and you know the the biggest thing with you know being a model and having you know your facebook and your instagram and all that stuff is uh Instagram specifically, they don't necessarily go through and like, oh, we're going to ban you or we're going to do this. It's people turning you in. Yeah. Right? So you have somebody, say, that doesn't like you or mm-hmm. your work. So they start to turn you in and then it draws attention to, oh, well, maybe Instagram doesn't like this now. And a lot of people's accounts are either blocked or, you know, you're banned for a certain amount of time or you can't do this. And, you know, Facebook does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're algorithm I think is a little bit different where a computer actually visually can see something or pick it up I don't know exactly but you know they'll say oh sorry you know you've done too much of this or this doesn't meet our standards and then all of a sudden you can't access your account for weeks on end and so with a model you have to be so careful to stay within those guidelines because you know that's your outreach to people that's how we book work that's Mm -hmm. how People see our work if they want to use us. And if we can't show our work and it's banned or something like that, you know, it it's more of a hearsay or that kind of thing. Because you do have to be careful with some of the other sites that you post stuff to. Um, you know, more often than not, if you do, I can't tell you how many different emails I get of people saying, oh, we'll pay you for a private shoot, this, this, and this. You know, um, you'll be well-paid 
everybody's clean. You can make a lot of money. I was like, everybody's clean. What the hell are you talking about? And then it goes on into the emails. So basically, they're paying you to do porn. And you're like, that's uh, not what I do. Artistic nude photography is not porn. Yeah, that's There's a huge difference. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, so it, you know. That's really idiotic. And what's really funny is Facebook's guidelines on artistic nude are so archaic, in my, in my opinion, you know, male versus females and what they allow to be showing. I mean, and yeah. I'm not, and I'm not bringing this up to embarrass you or make you angry, but I'm really almost shocked that they allowed your one photograph to be on your, your Facebook page because you're not nude, but you can see the offending nipples through the fabric of the dress you're wearing. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, well, I'm surprised they don't have a fit about that because they have a fit about anything else. <laughs> huh? yeah, That's no, the one where you're wearing the green dress. Though, right? yep. yeah, yeah, so I guess because it's covered, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. I fully agree. It's, you know, everybody's like about the movement. Free to the nipples, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, maybe they'll uh, get Facebook to reconsider. I highly doubt it, though. I think Facebook is not going to change that policy anytime soon. Oh, and what I was probably gonna, not. The other thing I was going to tell you in reference to that particular subject, I don't know if you're familiar with it yet or not, but what you might want to check into is setting up your profile on another social media platform called MeWe, um, because they don't censor anything. So you can post your artistic nudes there and not get banned and all that crap. Uh, my friend Brian told me about it after he found it. And it's specifically yeah. a, a social media platform for artists and models and photographers mostly. And they will not yeah. censor artistic nudes. Yep. So I know he posts a lot of his work on there because he doesn't have to censor everything out when he posts it like he does on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. So, but We'll see. Maybe someday uh, Facebook will get with the times. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath, yeah. though. <laughs> they seem to just do whatever the heck they want. Uh, pretty much, and they can. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's their platform. I understand that. But yeah, I, I was having this discussion with somebody recently, the same week I did my podcast episode on that protest. And I said, you know, I have a programming degree. It wouldn't be that hard for Facebook developers to, you know, set up an algorithm that says, you know, hey, if you're a model or basically model or photographer that does artistic nudes, okay, fine. We have, we implement an algorithm that verifies um, all of that. And then you're allowed to post the artistic nudes, whether they're male or female models, doesn't matter. And then what they could do, uh -huh. you know, from the, oh, we're trying to, you know, prevent children from being exposed to this crap. Well, there's a way around that. You could easily have your developers write an algorithm that says, you know, hey, nobody on Facebook could access this kind of content that's been flagged as artistic nude by the photographer or model that posted it. You know, you would have to flag your stuff with a little checkbox that says this is artistic nude. Mm -hmm. And then anybody that's on Facebook is a viewer that wants to look at those photographs. They have to prove to Facebook they are old enough to look at that stuff. So they have to upload a copy of their driver's license, prove they're at least 18 years of age, yada, yada. But it's not that freaking hard to implement. And then you could easily keep small children from seeing stuff like that. That's supposedly 
your whole reason for being opposed to that stuff being on your platform to begin with. But I don't think that's exactly. all there is to it. So, because I mean, I could easily write them an algorithm in like 20 minutes that would accomplish that for them. <laughs> so if their developers can't do that, then they're hiring the wrong people because I could do it pretty easy. But <laughs> I just thought that would be a good way for them to have, you know, a happy medium with this group that was protesting them and their organizers and Facebook. They could come together and reach an agreement like that and then just implement the algorithms to make it happen. And then if you have artistic new photos, you know, from a shoot that you did, you can post them on your modeling page and you're not going to get banned or blacklisted or have your photos deleted. And, you know, Facebook doesn't have to worry about little kids looking at nude women topless and yeah. all this stuff. You know, they wouldn't be able to use that excuse anymore because then at least anybody under the age of 18 wouldn't, wouldn't be allowed to click and reveal the photo. You know how they do it now with the graphic images? You know, they have that little disclaimer. Yeah. You go to look at somebody's photo that they posted and it says, warning, this is graphic content. Click here if you want to uncover it and see it anyways. They can do the same thing with artistic yeah, yeah. nudes. Only have it tied to an algorithm that verifies their age first, you know. If this person doesn't have mm -hmm. a, a driver's license on file that shows they're at least 18, then they can't access this content, period. And, you know, it wouldn't be that hard That's to a do. Good, that would be a great idea. Yeah. They just do it. And it would allow models and photographers that work in artistic news to post their work and not get, you know, banned and blacklisted and have their photos deleted and all that stuff, which, like I said, again, to me, is just idiotic. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's 2019. Let's get with the times, people. <laughs> yep. I mean, now. Uh, I can, I'm a photographer, so I can flip through artistic nudes and, you know, it's not like, like you were saying before, you, in, in the last time we talked, you were talking about these creepy guys with cameras, GWCs. And, yeah. um, and I know exactly what you're talking about because, you know, as a photographer, I'm the kind of person that could, you know, I could scroll through, like on MeWe, I could look at 500 women that are posing for artistic nudes with their nipples showing and all that stuff. And I'm going... I'm swiping through and I'm going, yeah, the lighting's good on this one. Yep, love that composition. And I'm not even actually paying any attention to what's exposed or not. I'm looking at the overall composition, the lighting, yeah. the scene, what the photographer and model were trying to accomplish in the shoot. You know, I'm not being some giddy-ass adolescent retard that's giggling because it's a topless girl, you know? Yeah. But, you know. I don't know. Maybe they'll never get to the, they'll get with the times. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. But I have a feeling they're not going to, they're not going to change their community standards over that. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't think they will either, to be honest. Yeah. But it's just a shame because, you know, like you said, social media platforms are how models get their work out there and get other jobs. And same for photographers. Mm -hmm. You know, you put your best yep. work on your on your website, you put your best work on your website, your social media accounts, your YouTube channels, if you have it. Hopefully that helps you get more jobs mm -hmm. and make more money. So when yeah. they, when they, you know, tie one hand behind your back on what you can post on your own profile, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, it jeopardizes your income source. You know, it could potentially jeopardize you getting other jobs. Mm -hmm. But they don't think about that. I guess it must be because Facebook's got, they don't got billions of dollars. They don't really care about anybody else making money. <laughs> that, maybe that's just that's me. I don't right. know. But, uh, but I'm <laughs> really, really happy to see that you've been so busy with all these shoots. And you got the magazine cover. And 
you're getting ready to do another film role. That's great. Now, when is um, when are they uh, starting the filming on that movie you were talking about, the new one that you're going to be doing? In August. Oh, okay. So next month. Yeah, next month. All right. So where do you have to go to? Where are they filming that? Do you have to go to some place? Are they shooting in your area or do you have to go to California? Or? No, I have to go to L.A. Oh, okay. So, you know, while I'm there, I'll be primarily just doing the film. But there is, you know, a chance that if I have enough time, I can set up a photo shoot with somebody. So we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, especially because, um, like I said, I remember last time you were on the show, you were saying that you had quite a few California photographers that wanted to shoot with you. Um, and I think you even mentioned several in LA that wanted to work with you. So it'd be great if you can do yeah. both at the same time, you know, while you're out there filming for the movie, get in some photo shoots with these photographers and, and, uh, make some extra money and do some new work that way too. That would be awesome. That's the plan. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap this episode up. We're at an hour and 24 minutes, which I'm, I don't mind that we went that long, but I don't want to keep you all night. I know you've probably got things to do, <laughs> okay. but as usual, it's fantastic talking to you, Ellie. Um, you're always welcome on this show, and I, and I love keeping up with the stuff you're working on. I watch your posts, and you know I comment and like them as much as I can, because you've been doing some really great stuff. I mean, some really awesome, awesome shoots that you've done, whether they were the cosplay or the steampunk or you know that that fantastic photo shoot that you did at that. Uh, husband and wife swimming pool that was really awesome because you know like yeah. i said that that whole scene just looked like it was on some sort of uh resort <laughs> yeah the, and i i hope i get to go back and use that you know same thing again because you know the two shoots i had there were awesome and you know yeah it, the photos came out so great that yeah you know we got uh the cover of expression magazine but it also, uh, it made the back cover of Expressions, and there's also a three-page spread of me inside the magazine as well. Oh, cool. Now, is this just a digital magazine, or is it a published one? It is a digital magazine. Oh, cool. There's, uh, uh, I would definitely say, you know, the, the actual large-name published magazines, those are extremely difficult to get into, but it's a goal. I yeah. will be there at some point. <laughs> I'm sure you will, because like I said, you're you're always doing new things, and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before you know you catch the eye of Vogue or somebody like that and get a get a photo shoot with them, and hopefully get on the cover of one of those magazines. That would be really cool. Well, thank you. That's when you'll stop taking my calls. <laughs> that is not true. When the, not when the movie career takes off and you're on the cover of Vogue and Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, yeah, that's when you'll stop taking my calls. <laughs> You're like, well, Liam no, who? I've never heard of him. Dare me. No, I'm, no, I'm not going to go on his <laughs> silly little podcast. I'm too famous now. <laughs> that would not happen. Nah, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> nah, you're you're a really wonderful person, and you're really fun to talk to. And, and I'm really excited that things have been going so well for you, and I hope they continue to. Well, thank you. I will definitely keep you posted. And thank you so much for liking my stuff and, you know, following me and, and just, you know, helping to represent what i'm doing i really appreciate that oh absolutely and for all of my listeners out there i will share all of ellie's links in the show notes for this episode uh, please also check out her youtube channel hit subscribe and uh, click the little bell icon so you get notifications anytime she uploads new videos because she's got some really fun and cool stuff on there and uh 
we'll, we'll see about having you back later on down the road. I don't want to take too much of your time because I know you're really busy with so many different projects and shoots that you're doing, but always love having you on the show. You're a lot of fun to talk to and, and a really smart lady as well. So that was the, the big well, thing for this episode. Show. Yep. Is I wanted all of my listeners to know that you're not only, you know, a pretty lady that does a lot of modeling work and acting work, but you also are a very smart person too. So you've got to, you know, we got to kill as much as we can that stereotype that models are dumb and, you know, the way they're always portrayed on TV shows and stuff, both male and female models, That's right. that they're dumber than a box of rocks. And then in reality, I mean, a lot of the world famous supermodels over the years have actually been very intelligent men and women that had degrees, master's degrees, PhDs and stuff like that. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. I don't know. I guess it was mostly Hollywood that created that dumb model stereotype, but that's definitely not the case because uh, I talked to you and I actually shot with another model and you're both very intelligent women, both college educated. So definitely, uh, definitely a bogus stereotype that models are dumb. That's for sure. That's true. Alrighty, well, I am going to go ahead and wrap up this episode and let you get back to your life out there and uh, tell Dan I said hello and I, will. and I said thank you again for him allowing you to come on the show and <laughs> take away from your time out there. You know, I'm sure you guys probably have a bunch of stuff to do to get ready for this trip. And uh, I didn't realize that I was cutting into the packing for your vacation, so I felt kind of bad about that when I found out about that. No, not at all. <laughs> and you guys got to find me a couple of arrowheads and send them to me. I want a couple. So maybe I'll get Hello? lucky. Yeah. Can you still hear me? Oh yeah, I can now. It completely cut out there for a second. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Cause everything seems to still be working on this side. No, I was just teasing you a moment ago. Okay. And I, I said, you guys need to find me a couple of arrowheads and send them out here to me. Cause I don't have any. Oh, there you go. I can definitely try. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you for your time, Ellie. It's been fantastic having you on the show. And enjoy your vacation to Belize. Hopefully, you guys will have a great time. Thank you, Liam. I really appreciate it. And you have a good evening. You too. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode... 28 of the Liam Photography Podcast, our second interview with the professional model and professional geologist, Miss Ellie Cat. Please uh, definitely check out the links to her social media, her Facebook and Instagram will be on the show notes for this episode. And also, as I mentioned a, mo a few minutes ago, stop by her YouTube channel and uh, give her a subscribe and a like and hit the little bell notification icon so that you'll get notified when she uploads new videos. She's been doing some really fun stuff, her and her boyfriend, with behind-the-scenes footage and stuff like that. So those videos are pretty fun and, and enjoyable to check out as well. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode, and I will see you all next week in episode 29.